There are times in life when it feels as though we might not make it through. Learning to accept the present moment becomes the only antidote to pain and loss. Over the past few months, I've begun to talk more openly about the grief that I've been processing as I've been going through a deconstruction of my faith. This has happened mostly with the people who are in my life on a personal level, but I now feel a little more ready to share it with you, as I know that some of you may have also gone through your own dismantling of the beliefs you held so true in your life. For the better part of my life, I identified my faith as a Christian, and even though I'm not entirely sure that I'd say I've completely moved away from that. I have definitely started to ask questions about my faith. This journey has sometimes been painful, especially working through my own hurt and anger about what happened while I was in full-time ministry, but it also led me to a deeper understanding of who God is, well, at least to me, and that faith doesn't have to look quite like I thought it did. Maybe you find yourself questioning your own faith, your understanding of God, the divine. Perhaps you've left a community of believers, or maybe you've never even been to a church in your life, but you consider yourself a very spiritual person. I'd like to invite you in on this conversation, one that I feel is so important for each of us, a safe place to question and explore what spirituality and faith means to us on an individual level. One of the podcasts that I've listened to as I've been on my faith deconstruction has been The Unravel with Brady Tubes. Every time I hit play on a new episode, I'm able to process more and more through some of the questions I've been exploring internally. At first, I questioned whether or not it was even okay for me to question my beliefs and what it would mean in my personal relationships and even with my career. But listening to The Unravel gave me the words I was looking for when I felt like I was at a loss. Living bravely for me means living vulnerably and transparently, being open about life, faith, especially with you, the listeners of The Courage Cast. I decided to reach out to Brady and ask him to come on the podcast, and he graciously accepted. This conversation brought so much healing and illumination to me personally, and I hope it does for you as well. We talk about the moments in life when we begin to realize that things, life, people, relationships don't truly make us happy. Joy is found when we begin to accept life as it is, the rich gift that God, universe, divine gives each of us. That even though we will experience joy and sadness, it's okay for both of those emotions to be present simultaneously. The conversation with Brady felt a lot like sitting and talking to an old friend. There were moments of vulnerability and questions that came up that neither of us really had the answer to. I hope you're inspired to keep asking questions and know that it's okay to explore your own faith journey. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello, friends. As always, I feel so honored that you've joined me today. The conversation you're about to hear is one that I've been wanting to share with you for quite some time now. If you're new to the podcast or even a longtime listener, I hope this conversation illuminates something within your own heart and life. 
just like it did for me. My guest today is a multi-passionate artist, someone you may know from a little show called The Bachelorette. Brady Tubes is a singer-songwriter blending Americana, folk, and soul. He's also the host of the Unravel podcast, which is part of the Liturgist Network. Designed to both challenge as well as help you live more inspired, the Unravel explores spirituality through fascinating interviews, thought-provoking ideas, and compelling spiritual practices. My hope is that this conversation sparks a deep hope within you to continue your own spiritual journey, which is why I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Brady Tubes. Brady, thank you so much for being on the Courage Cast. Uh, I'm so excited. And, you know, now we've already been talking for like almost a half an hour and we're not even recording. <laughs> so I'm, I'm interested to see like kind of how this conversation unfolds today and and just to kind of hear your journey and where you've been with your life and what's been going on with you. But you have an amazing podcast that I hope that you'll share about a little mm. bit and you've done some really cool things. But I like to ask people to introduce themselves just because they have a better read on who they are than I do. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and what you're passionate about. Mm. Such a massive question. <laughs> thank, <laughs> yep. you. thank you for having me, first of all. Um, when you asked, uh, you know, sort of me to share who I was, the first thought that popped in my mind was, I'm a recovering success addict. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've lived multiple lives, it feels like. I grew up in Minnesota, uh, in a small town of a thousand people called New London. I'm a, I'm a triplet which is kind of a wild fact. I'm uh, the oldest of the triplets and the oldest of five kids. Grew up sort of in a normal conservative Christian home. Uh, Played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, Tried to be the best at most of those sports. And, um, you know, I'm a classic sort of overachiever in a sense. Uh, Valedictorian in my high school class was all conference in three sports, all district in two, all state in baseball. I've been on to play baseball at a collegiate level at the University of Arkansas, played minor league baseball at the St. Louis Cardinals organization. At about 25, I then left that and transitioned into music. Spent 10 years uh, investing in an independent sort of singer-songwriter, well, worship leader, and then kind of more singer-songwriter, artists, traveling, most of the 50 states and the globe playing my song just kind of wild and then uh took a break about a year and a half ago because i almost burned out um from that whole process uh another random part of my story is i was on a reality tv show in america called the bachelorette that was kind of a wild moment um, that disrupted. And I do remember that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Good. it was a it was a few years say. ago now, but it was that was an intense moment. Uh, you know, in the midst of all of that, there's the whole like sort of faith journey of construction and deconstruction and reconstruction. My viewpoint of the world, of life, and God changing multiple times over all of that all of my life and um, coming out the other side and, you know, working through all the moments of pain and moments of love and moments of loss and 
anyway, th th I'm a conglomeration of things. And in this moment, I think I am happier than I have been in my life, which feels like I'm moving forward. And that's, that's nice. I also do have a podcast. It's called The Unravel with Brady Toops. It's a podcast that explores spirituality. I finished the first season a little bit, maybe a year ago or something, a year and a half ago, and that was a lot about unraveling unhealthy Christian ideologies and sort of an autobiographical, in a way, like through my interviews with people. And then just recently started the second season, which is a bit more outside of the bounds of the Christian narrative or faith tradition where I talk with all sorts of fascinating people about their views on life and God and the divine, which includes like an astrologer, a psychic medium, therapists, and authors, and beautiful, beautiful humans. So I guess that's sort of a snapshot of myself, if that helps give people some... I live in Nashville, Tennessee right now, yeah, love and Nashville. I love it down here. And that's, you know, I moved here to do music. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, I... I am so glad that you talked a little bit about the podcast and sharing kind of what you talk about on the podcast. I know that so many people reach out to me just with, you know, different things that maybe I'll say or post about and I kind of refer them, hey, why don't you check this podcast out? Because you're kind of saying and doing the things that I'm thinking about and a lot of people are thinking about. One of the things that I was super interested in when you said about yourself, you you said, uh, I'm happy mm. and I want to talk about that because mm. that's something that's been really interesting in my life just maybe in the past maybe six months mm. has been joy mm. and people have been like asking me you know Andrew what do you want what do you want from your life and I've had a lot mm. of things happen within the past six months that have been a little bit more devastating and out of that I said I just want to experience joy yeah so what does that look like for you that's a really great question um, you know, I think I've spent most of my life thinking that joy was on the other side of the thing happening that I wanted to happen, you know, and I would sort of achieve the thing or then make the thing happen. And the feeling of joy would last about three and a half seconds. Mm -hmm. And then I was looking for the next thing. <laughs> uh, and sort of this consistent, continual dopamine hit trying to get the thing that feels so elusive and I don't think that's joy that's just kind of a dopamine hit you know the little reward that we get for accomplishing thing and when I stepped away kind of from some of the spotlight or being in the, sort of the music uh, grind like playing and traveling I think I got a moment to kind of like step back and quiet the the wanter or the achiever inside of me you know so a lot of my music journey I've, I did music because at the end of the, at the beginning it just gave me this transcendent feeling I mean I would say that was joy you know like I was like wow when I sing when I self-express when I do this thing I just feel like alive and in this zone of freedom where like time stops the last, you know, I say for my music career, eight out of 10 years really served me. Like I would get up and I'd be so stoked about it. And the last couple of years, I sort of started to get into this like means to an end sort of 
way of this mode of being, you know, it was about now I have to play these shows to make this money, to pay bills, to keep my career going, to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I sort of lost it. I lost the, I lost enjoyment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I, at the same time, I know now how intrinsically connected joy and sort of sadness are, uh, that without like leaning into the sadness and feeling the deep grief that exists in my body over years and years of suppressed memories and like repressed moments without going down into that cave actually was unable to feel joy as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like what I've learned through some years of therapy and (laughs) recently in a modality called brain spotting is that when you don't allow yourself to feel the sadness, you don't allow yourself to feel in general. Okay. So you you can't you can't only feel one thing. When you stop feeling anything, you stop the feeling of everything. So I'm what I'm trying to learn in this season is how do I welcome all the feelings that may come? And when you said, Oh wow, you know what it's like to feel joy or happiness. I immediately felt what it felt like to feel sadness and grief because it really? all it all exists inside of me. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend the other day and he was listening to a Ram Das interview or a talk or something. And Ram Das is a spiritual teacher that just passed away, he lived in Maui, and he was pretty big in sort of the psychedelic movie movement in the sixties and seventies, and kind of transitioned into kind of like this spiritual teacher after visiting India. Amazing man. Like, uh but when he was asked one time, he said, uh, somebody came up to him and said, you know, uh, Ram, are you, are you happy? And he sort of thought for a moment and he said, yes, I'm happy. And then the person said, are, are you sad? Sort of stopped for a minute and he said, yes, I'm, I'm sad. And then the guy said, are, is, is everything going to be all right? And he goes, yeah, everything's going to be mm-hmm. all right. And then the person said, is, is everything, you know, is everything meaningless? Is it all going to go to pot or whatever, right? I'm sort of yeah. paraphrasing, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's all meaningless. And sort of what that kind of like moment or parable or whether it really happened, I don't know, spoke to me is like, we are we are the space in which all of life happens mm-hmm. and to hold on to any one moment or any one feeling or any one thought causes suffering, but to try to learn how to be open to be the space through which all of life can be experienced is sort of the goal. And how do we then stay open to all of life? Like, and for me, it's been a lot about how do I transition from this achiever means to an end based sort of living or even like something as op- an obstacle or an enemy I have to get around. And how do I learn to enjoy this moment? 
or maybe not even enjoy it? How do I just learn how to bring some minor amount of acceptance to this moment that I can just let it be what it is rather than become overly identified? You know, when I feel sadness, the, the lie that comes to me is like, you'll never not feel sadness. Oh, yeah. You'll be trapped in your sadness. You are bad or wrong for feeling this sadness. There's something wrong with you. You've done something wrong for feeling sadness. <laughs> you know, it's like, then I start yeah. going down this cycle. Um, but then there's been moments where I've gone, wow, I feel like deep okayness. But then I get attached to this. And then I always start in fierce feel, you know what I'm saying? So like, uh, I think joy joy comes and it goes and it's like the roomy poem you know whatever whatever may come to your door welcome it in a meanness you know sort of a joy or whatever and um i would rather feel just a like a serenity and okayness and acceptance and then allow the joys to come sort of on the back of it uh but yeah, that's a, that was a long answer to a really no, simple it's question. Good. It's it's good. Like it's interesting you talk about like acceptance and I, some of the things that I've been kind of just even thinking about myself have been like within the law of polarity. You know, you have one and you have the other. So on one side of the coin exists something, and then flip it over, and they both have to exist in order for it to happen. And I think so often we've come accustomed to one side and not understanding that with it comes the other, which is, I think exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And acceptance, right? Like accepting that in this moment that they are both there and that's okay. Yeah. How for you, do you think have you in like in your life right now, like if you, if you just kind of like take a look at like where you're at and what you're doing, like what would you say for you is like, I have been able to accept this about my life yeah that's a really good question I so one of my struggles in my life to be honest is I always sort of felt like I was supposed to be famous yesterday <laughs> so sort of getting a little vulnerable here like I'm the the three is like the one on the Enneagram it's sort of the one I most identify with and there's this deep desire to feel worthy or uh, I have a strong two wings there's this valuableness there's a significance there's this importance kind of thing I'm also a Leo so I don't know if you're into astrology or people in astrology I love all these various ways to try to like name and explain you know the self small self all these uh, I'm like anything to give me some insight on myself so I've felt from a young age oh man like and a lot of people have as well i'm not unique in this um wow i meant to do something great in the world and even if you grew up like i have parents that were great they were like you know you can be anything you want you can do anything you want you know like wow maybe i am awesome and <laughs> you know that's the first half of life that's the first half of life where it's like to hear the voice you are amazing you can do anything like the building of the ego in a beautiful way. Like everybody needs these voices, right? Everybody needs to be able to hear they're special and they're loved and they belong. You know, the hard part is when you, the hard part is when you think that that's because of what you've done or 
how you look or something, some part of the small self, what you've achieved or what you have or what you do. Um, and then I think the second half of life is learning to let go. Like you hear the, in the first half of life, you hear the voice, you are special and amazing. In the second half, maybe you can begin to hear the voice that says, well, you aren't that special and that amazing. But it's not necessarily like you are in the small self. It's like every everyone else is as well. Yeah. So when you ask, what have I learned to accept in this moment? I had a reading with an astrologer and she said, you know, she said, Brady, um, I've got good news and I got bad news. I'm so interested in what she said. <laughs> she said, here's, here's what it gave to me in a major way. I mean, we, I've talked to her for hours now and I've done a number of readings yeah. and, um, in a major way. And I'm, I'm living downtown Nashville. We got like police sirens and all the things. So you guys might hear in the background and I love it. But we, she said to me, you're on a path. You have a life path. And I didn't realize there was like, there was a pseudoscience that sort of could tell me the various seasons in my life and what each season was meant to give me. Uh, but it brought a lot of perspective and clarity. You know, I was in the sort of charismatic world for a while. There's some of that kind of uh, prophetic, um, prophetic words kind of things. They're like, wow, this yeah. is where you're going into. But, but a lot of it kind of felt like shooting from the hip. Uh, and it wasn't, there wasn't like a back to like scientific thing. It was like, is your intuitive gifting on or off in this moment? Are you really hearing, you know, or, mm-hmm. well, I really trusted this lady, this astrologer from South Africa, because she told me things about seasons in my life that she shouldn't have known. We'd never met. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, every time in your life that you hit something big like maybe it was a song that people found out about or like a big opportunity or like a big show that you played or you know she didn't say reality tv but like that was would be a moment in my life it was like as soon as it came is as that soon as it's left and you thought it was sort of going to be the thing that was going to break you that was going to sort of then be the massive success you always thought it was going to be for your life she goes, I've got good news and I've got bad news. She's the good news is everything that you've ever wanted to happen in your life is going to happen. And the interesting thing about Ram Das, this is the fascinating concept, you know, sort of idea. I heard Ram Das say one time, uh, you know, you get everything you want in life. Mm-hmm. But by the time you get it, you don't always want it. Mm-hmm. And that that's true on a on a number of levels. It's also not true on a few few levels as well. But um it really spoke to me. Because I'm, I'm also giving you a really long answer to a really short question, but I think I've come to accept the fact that I'm not as big or important as I thought I needed to be. Hmm. And that's okay. And also at the same time, maybe I am bigger and more important than I realize. And also maybe the seasons of my life are perfectly orchestrated for the development of my, like myself. And maybe, maybe all that has happened is beautiful and for me. And also this next season of my life 
what the astrologer said. It's about my spiritual growth. It's about my internal journey. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so when all the things that you hope to happen, happen, you can actually bear the weight of it. And maybe, and this is sort of me extrapolating out of this based on things I've read and learned, not from the astrologer, but otherwise, that maybe when all of those things happen that are the dreams deep down inside that you're scared to share for fear of people ridiculing them, maybe when they do happen, you realize that they aren't for you. For you, meaning the small self. Maybe these are the things that are meant for the service of humanity. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the beautiful thing that I still resonate, you know, I've, I have a complicated relationship at times with the Christian narrative, but when I look at the life of David, I really resonate with sort of his story of like this young boy who was uh, anointed to be the next king of Israel, like in his teens, teenage years, and then thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is going to happen. I'm going to be like, it was whatever. And then by the time he gets to be 30, after he had, he had to run through the wilderness chased by Saul and like jealousy. And then he, he's like, you know, it was almost like this point where like, I don't even want this. Like, I don't like, this isn't worth it. Like, and then probably gets to this point where it's like, Oh, becoming King of Israel is not the thing that I thought it was. Right. Yeah. Becoming famous. Isn't the thing I thought it was. It's like a burden to bear. And so I think I've become a bit more, I've, I've come to accept the seasons of life that I'm in and to not have to speed them up because I try to all the time. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you saying that because like I'm thinking now, I think I got it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you, we, we all have this like, you know, thing that we, we hope for, we wish for, we dream of the moment we attain it, it is not what we anticipated it was going to be. So in some senses, it's like, okay, well, there it is. But also it's a letdown. Yeah. And we've already moved on to the next thing anyways. Yes. Because we're already looking future tense to what it is that, you know, we hope for, we dream for. Yeah. So it's almost like we can't really even enjoy we can't enjoy what we're the season we're in because yeah. we're hoping for the season we're yes. we're gonna get. We get to the season yeah. that that's there, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's totally. Like, so the only thing that could be enjoyed truly is this moment. Mm-hmm. We can either enjoy this moment or resist this moment. So okay, so I know that that we just talked about that, but what do you still hope for? Okay, okay. Well, let me answer it this way. Okay, I spent the last year and a half trying to reorient my way of being in the world Mm -hmm. because this like achiever quick moment of satisfaction, losing it, suffering wasn't working for me anymore. I came across a few books that really spoke to me. Uh, One was a book called the, uh, the big leap by, by Gay Hendricks. Uh, I haven't heard it. Beautiful book about finding your zone of genius. Mm-hmm. The second book, which speaks to sort of the question you asked, is is called The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. And the, the thing I really loved about that book is she goes, let's not ask, what do I want to achieve? Or what do I want to do? Let's instead ask the question of how do I want to feel? So I, throughout the course of you know months and months, sort of went down this journey of going, 
what do I want? I thought that it was, what do I want to achieve so that I could feel something? But instead, I'm going to try to reorient this to go like, now what are my core desired feelings? What are the feelings that I'm hoping to feel by the thing I want to achieve? So I kind of whittled it down. And what are my favorite things to feel? I want to feel, I mean, I wrote a bunch of things from like significance and importance and like love to, you know, whatever, right? But I whittled it down to like three things that felt very true to me. And I had a list of 10, I had a list of five, but I like, I like to like keep it as simple as possible because it's hard to remember all those feelings. And one, <laughs> one was, I want to feel playful. Like I love to play. It's like, I love to have fun and to joke around and all the things. Number two, I love to feel soulful. I love to feel like the deep aspects of life, like talking about them, thinking about them, like connected to this, like this element, this sacred element, the soulful aspects of life. And then the last thing I want to feel is I want to feel connected. Like I want to feel deep, real connection, which comes with, there's vulnerability that happens there. There's people, this kind of thing. So, so instead of what do I want to achieve, I said, these are the things I want to feel. So sort of reverse engineer it. Yeah. Now I've learned, come to learn that like I can actually feel all those things in this moment. You can actually only feel those things in this moment. Uh, this is the only moment that exists. Yeah. So like I could, you know, there are different practices you can do to sort of feel those things. Like I could, there's also things that you can structure your life around to like sort of do to feel those things in a way. So it's both and right. Like, um, I, if I'm looking for connection primarily outside of myself, I'm only going to feel it when I'm around people. Now that doesn't mean that I can't engineer my life in a way to like be around people more because that's what fuels me. So it's both and, right? Like I need to, to feel connection. I need to learn how to connect with myself. And I'm also going to structure my life to be around people more because that's how I come alive. Yeah. To feel playful. Like I can feel playful by myself. I started playing golf a year and a half ago as a spiritual practice. I used to judge people so hard who played golf because they were wasting so many hours playing a game they weren't good at that it wasn't going to take them anywhere. That's me. That's your way. That's what you do. That's the way you look yeah. at it. Okay. No, no, I golf. So oh, you like golfing. Oh, wasting all that time. No, totally. And now I realize <laughs> this is my spiritual practice and it encompasses all three things that I want to feel. It's play. I'm with people that I love. We connect in a consistent sort of every, I try to do every Friday a game when it's nice out, mm -hmm. like my brother and some close friends. And, you know, hopefully there's moments that we like have soulful moments together. You know, uh, my podcast is that. It's playful, it's soulful, it's connected. So I said, basically, I need a better compass. The compass of what do I want to achieve to feel was now an outdated sort of operating system. Now my compass is this over here so yeah. how do i then get into that flow or that zone the most how do i orient my life around core desired feelings rather than core desired so when you talk about connection you know to others i'm interested like in your whole journey of 
deconstruction of your faith and shifting through the various things that you've done in your life, like music and being on a reality TV show and the podcast. How have you been able to stay connected as you're changing, as you're growing, as things around you are are shifting? How have I learned how to stay connected to what? What do you mean? To people, to relationships. Mm. Mm. I, I can yeah. see how you're how you've stayed connected to yourself because that's been an internal journey. But what about the external journey? Well, I've lost myself too. You know, a lot okay. throughout it. I mean, when I was on the TV show, it was a really small blip in the radar. I mean. I experienced a level of fame that maybe few people experience, but also like compared to like Bono or, you know, Brad Pitt, like it wouldn't even, I mean, it literally wouldn't even be a blip on their radar. Right. But even that level of exposure to people, millions of people watching you every week. And then sort of my Instagram went from like 4,000 people to like a hundred thousand people. And then, I've lost 50,000 followers since then. And then both the praise and the uh, critique hit really deep. Like it hit really deep for me. I realized, oh, some people define themselves by what they do. Other people define themselves by what they have. I define myself primarily by what people think of me. And that is a really painful, painful way of like operating in the world, you know? So, um, so I did lose connection to myself multiple times. I actually had to find like a deeper connection within myself. You're catching me in a moment where I've navigated through lots of pain and lots of like trauma and lots of stuff um, and through lots of therapy and that kind of stuff. I've come out the other side and, and you see me like more put together because I have had to find a deeper center. Mm, okay. Uh, as far as people go, you know, it's like, it's like the people that were around before that you had a real connection with are the people that are still around after. And there's a bunch of people in the middle there that sort of come in and go, who are those sort of quick relationships that are built upon, uh, you know, like some sort of egoic, uh, you know, could be like a status thing, right? Like, oh, wow. Or like, you know, we're, we were both a part of this thing, you know, and when that thing ends or it's no longer relevant, the relationship sort of slowly dissolves. So I really needed people in that season the most, you know, the mm-hmm. season when my whole life was kind of turned upside down because in the matter of a couple of years, I sort of was in a process of like everything being reoriented from massive deconstruction of the way I see the world. So at like age like 30 to 35, and it's like five year span, there was like everything from like total deconstruction of like my belief systems. There was um, like a reality TV stint uh, with, a, with a breakup that really hit me hard. There was some other relational pains that really hit me deep. There was a reori- reorienting of my career because of my deconstruction, which then like, shifts my income streams. So it was like mm-hmm. like all the big five, if there's a big five, um, sort of got yeah. like, we're on the chopping block, block, yeah. you know. And uh, I think 
you know, there's, there are connections that, that you could have real vulnerability with, you know, you can be your, your vulnerable, raw, real self. And those are the ones that really sustain me in the season. And there's a few people that like really met me in that season. And we're just like, I'm here, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here. And, and I probably wouldn't have gotten through it without them. I have a good friend of mine who I reached out to just before Christmas. And I'm going to ask you a similar question to what I asked him. It's personal to me. Anyone else listening, if you get something out of it, great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a bit selfish for a second. Please do. When I started to, to deconstruct my faith and when I started to see things a little differently, it really changed and altered kind of the professional trajectory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for me, in the sense of like, I was a pastor, so that obviously shifts that, right? Leading worship, you know, still being invited to go to churches, having a lot of questions, having a lot of thoughts, basing my business around kind of a faith premise, and then all of a sudden asking a bunch of questions. So I called this friend up because he had put out on his own podcast something about his own deconstruction of faith, what that looked like. And and here I am thinking to myself, you know, how do I navigate that? You know, like this is business, this is life, this is all of the things, the dreams, the hopes that, you know, and I'm not a three, I'm a one on the Enneagram, but I want to do good. Like that's my yeah. my core thing, right? It's yeah. like, and and so I want to do things right. I don't, I know I don't always get it right. Yeah. But I, from someone who's been there, like for, from someone who's navigated like, a deconstruction alongside of all of the shifts and changes in your career. Yeah. Like how have you navigated? What would you say to someone who's like, I'm asking so many questions and this may actually now shift my career and it also may shift my relationships. What do you say to them? I'm say, I say to, I, I would say to you or them, I'm so sorry. And it's so hard. That is such a difficult thing to navigate. There are no easy answers. I'm really sorry. And this is the greatest gift that you've ever been given. To like, like work through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few moments along the way that were really instrumental for me. One, I was on tour with a guy named John Mark McMillan. He's an artist in, uh, in the United States. Um, and he's kind of been in the Christian world, but also out of the Christian world, it kind of was kind of this like genre blending, um, bending artists or blending. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was struggling with all of this as well. You know, I was like, man, I can lead worship and man, they pay really well. And this is like a built in audience. And this is how my whole business is built around. And actually like people are really like, positively impacted by what I do, but I'm deconstructing what I believe. And I don't know if I believe the songs I'm singing anymore. And what do I believe about these songs? And he said to me, you know, whoever gives you money has a hold on your tongue. Mm. And I went, oh God, you're right. So like if you're being paid by a church to come in and lead worship, that they inherently are taking some autonomy from you to serve their thing. So in that moment, I realized 
what was important for me was to take back my autonomy. I sort of had to be congruent. I had to be true to myself. And I don't know if this is the path for everyone. I think some people can sort of live on the inside and the outside of the system and sort of exist in an integrated way and be an integral kind of thought, be a help, you know. But for me, I like was really scared, but I ultimately knew what what I needed to do for myself was so was to be true, be true to the the journey and the path I was on. And that meant like taking a risk. Um, and w- in my specific scenario, I was part-time worship leading at a church in Nashville. And I was kind of traveling and playing as well. But that kind of Nashville thing was like my steady income. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be a worship leader all at that moment. Like I kind of navigated my music career where I kind of like tried everything and then got closer and closer into the niche thing that really I loved or was passionate about. And that moment it was like, I want to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And in that season, I was like an artist, but I was still kind of writing Christian songs, but I really was like, I want to be an artist. And I was like, it's time to say no to the thing that feels easy and safe so that I can open myself up to the bigger yes of the universe. Mm. And I was scared to say no, because it was meaning like the $2,000 a month, or I don't know how much money it was. That was like, kind of like the like tried and true, like I'm going to be able to pay the basic bills in my life. And then I can go travel and make the other money. Like it meant saying no to that. Yeah. Uh, When I said no to that, it was really difficult. But two months later, or a month and a half later, like I played a gig and a booking agent in the largest booking agency in the world saw me play and uh, he signed me. Like he's like, okay, we believe in you as an artist. We're going to sign you and we're going to help build your career as an artist. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa, it worked. Like, <laughs> I say me saying no to the thing I knew, like I just knew deep down inside of me, I had to get, I had to get out of mm-hmm. opened up like a vacuum for the bigger yes to come my way. Like the thing that life was inviting me into. And it was almost like I, that wouldn't have happened without taking the leap. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's the path for everybody. I mean, I know there's paths where like, you do the side hustle and then once the side hustle like is making you 50% of your income, then you jump in. I think there's like some people that like have really good, like um, more helpful coaching techniques and how to like navigate that path, like in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. But I then transitioned from like more of this like Christian artist who was still kind of like playing a little bit in churches and kind of goes into like, no, I'm going all in on the singer songwriter thing. So at this point is when I did the reality TV show, I went through some heartbreak. I started writing songs that were like breakup songs, you know? Um, And I was like, wow, I'm going to fully make a singer songwriter record. And it's going to have some gospel like undertones, influences. What I mean, like I kind of mean sonically, like, like b3 organ and like soulful background singers and also some of these like themes that i still kind of sing about but i went fully in and then i went wow i'm i'm trying to sell tickets 
uh, like 10 to 12 to $15 tickets, like 30 of them at a coffee shop and hauling in my own sound system and like packing everybody in. Like I'm, I'm hustling. But there was also like this really deep thing it met in me. I was like, yes, like, yes, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing the thing that is true to me. Like I have, I had to do it. Mm-hmm. I had to do it. And ultimately, even though it was really painful, sort of the reorienting, it, it created a level of fulfillment and satisfaction that I, that met me in a really deep place. And I think also helped kind of like me find me again in the yeah. sense of like, there is something that I offer the world that only that I can offer the world. Like it helped me find my voice again. And it also got me out of a really small vision of seeing the world that was hurt, was hurting me and hurting the possible impact that I could have on the world. Um, so I guess my that my end summary conclusion is, uh, you know when you know. You know when you can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And if you if you follow through and you notice the pain and you like stay like the journey and you keep moving forward ultimately what it's what it does i think is it leads you out into a field that is like rumi said like too wonderful to talk about like beyond beyond what does he say beyond right doing and wrongdoing there is a field I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. It's too beautiful. It's too beautiful to talk about. And I think that's ultimately where pain leads us. I mean, the deconstruction, the pain of that, the 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 drying up of like monetary or income via means we've always known forces us into a new place and that's life helping us evolve and grow and change because we have to because like life god the universe is too kind to let like to help to like let let us stay in the small limited place that we were in Have you ever felt like your dreams are bigger than you are? So big, in fact, that they feel completely out of reach. Maybe you want to travel the world and become a freelancer, or you want to write a best-selling book. Maybe you want to find a life partner, or you just desperately want to leave your nine to five and become an entrepreneur. But there's a massive obstacle standing in your way, fear. It could be that you're afraid that your idea isn't good enough that others are doing it so much better than you are. Perhaps you feel like you're not good enough or you don't deserve to have the life you want. I completely understand. And I can actually say that because I was there too. It wasn't that long ago. In my heart, I knew that I could help other women pursue their dreams and I could encourage and support them every step of the way. But for some reason, I could not believe it for myself. So instead of taking steps towards my dream, I pushed it aside for fear of being disappointed. 
call it insecurity, doubt, fear, call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, it's not a lack of skill, talent, or resources that will keep you from accomplishing your dream. It will be your lack of belief in yourself. My issue was that I thought I was confident. On the outside, I appeared to be, and no one would have believed me if I told them I wasn't. But on the inside, I honestly felt like I didn't deserve to have what I wanted. It took me a long time to finally step into my own power. I worked for several years on overcoming my own limiting beliefs so that I could accomplish my dreams. And now I want to share with you what I've learned along the way. So if you're ready to finally step into your power, then I want to invite you to join me for a free five-day challenge to transform your mindset. But I'm going to tell you what this is not. It is not a quick fix for your confidence. This is not a five-step how-to, and it is definitely not for you if you're not ready to actually implement these changes. But this is what you can expect. You'll gain the confidence you need to take control of your life. You will gain assurance you need to make the right decisions for yourself. You'll become more hopeful and optimistic for the future, and you will see progress in areas that have been dormant. And you'll have certainty about what you have to offer the world. So for five days, starting March 29th, we are going to dismantle the lies that you've been believing about yourself. When you join, you'll get access to a private Facebook group where we can share what we're learning. I will be popping in daily on a Facebook Live, and together we're gonna challenge and encourage each other to get real about our lives. So make sure you sign up at andreacrisp.ca forward slash challenge. You know, it's so interesting. You talked earlier about, you know, the prophetic and charismatic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think back to just things that have been said, spoken to me, spoken over me over, you know, in the limited view we have <laughs> on those things that are said anyways. And and as you were saying that, I I just visualized for you, for me, this, you know, when we've had, you know, words that have been like, you're going to do things that you, you know, you don't imagine you're going to do. In our minds, we're like, yeah, they're going to look like this, though. They're going to look like the other person we've seen do it. And that will be that when it doesn't happen like that. It's disappointing yeah. and frustrating, right? And then, you know, you're talking about like kind of, I'm imagining going into this like expansive place, like expanding beyond what you could have ever imagined and seeing that beyond all of the, the dreams, the hopes, the, even the words spoken over, or this is the season of life. I see you going into, whether it's an astrologer or someone who's working the prophetic, right? Yeah. It's like the expansiveness of what is possible is so amazing. And the potential that if we'll actually go through that narrow path of um, just really pressing. And I I hate to use the word suffering because that just evokes still for me some of the Christian doctrine. Well, there's a difference between pain and suffering. Yes. Pain, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Suffering, suffering is pain that we resist. Pain plus resistance to that pain is suffering. Mm. So I'm gonna have to listen to that again. Nah. <laughs> Say that one more time. That was good. That was really good, though. 
pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Suffering is when we resist the pain or we are unable, mm, okay. unable to sort of get out of the pain loop because the thing happens that is painful. Yeah. And then that thing gets stored in our body or in our yeah. mental loops or whatever, and we can't get out of it. That's what suffering is. It's when the previous moment or experience or thought or thing that was said continues to live on inside of you and you can't, you can't let go of it or you can't get past it because a piece of the past is still existing in this moment. Can I ask you about that? Can we talk about that? We can talk about anything. I'm down, I'm down to talk about it. I don't know if I know anything about it, but you're I'll try. doing great. You're doing great. Um, <laughs> talking about like, you know, it hanging on. Talking about us hanging on, things that we hang on to, people we hang on to, for far too long, right? Yeah. And and about, you know, I've just been thinking about that. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts, but I was just last night, and then I was also thinking about so often we hang on to people and too long or to uh, something that has left, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a person, often it's a person, but, and that resides in us, that, that feeling that, you know, like, and you're, you're explaining it really well to me in the sense of like, it's a resistance to let go. Yeah. Why do you think we resist letting go of that? It's mm. a good question. Uh, why do we resist letting go? You know, sometimes the thing, sometimes we resist letting go of the thing that we thought was really good mm. uh, because we want to st- keep feeling that good thing. And that causes suffering. And then sometimes we resist letting go because the the pain uh, feels comfortable and we want the comfortable feeling more than we want the disruption feeling. Uh, You know, like, I think we all resist change. It's always scary, you know? I don't know. I, I, I have a question on my podcast. I have a 10 big questions at the end mm-hmm. of the 10, 10 big spiritual questions of season one or season two. I named it that cause I had no better thing to name it as. <laughs> I, I like cringe every time I say it. Um, cause I'm like, that's so not cool. But, um, <laughs> one of the, one of the, one of the questions in season two is like, tell me something that, what's the hardest thing for you to let go of? You know, and that's, I think it's such a great question. <laughs> what's it the is har- a great question. Like, what would you answer? How would you answer? What's the, what's the hardest thing for you to let go of? Uh, I would say the, the dream of what could have been. Mm. Mm. The dream and, of what could have been. Yeah. In this moment, that is what is the hardest thing to let go of. That's not always been the case, but it encompasses an individual. Yeah. So because of picturing the life, the individual, the potential, yeah, 
even though now we're going to get in, like we're getting vulnerable. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Hey, I'm a a podcast host too. So (laughs) I know. I was like, you know, all the tricks. I was like, you know how to like boomerang that back. Um, No, I would say that in this, in this time of my life, I would say that it's like, you know, even though I know that it was not healthy, it wasn't, if I, if I'm like standing on looking at the positive side of that coin, flipping it over and going, wow, this part was not good. This was like, this, this made me feel this and do these things and act like this, which I don't want to be like that anymore. So it actually exposed a lot of me. Totally. Which I didn't, I hadn't really seen. So, so that's a really great thing. But in the same way, it's like, instead of like going, okay, now see that what it exposed in you and, you know, you've, you've been able to navigate and move and change and grow through, which I think I have. But on the other side, it was like, but look at this potential and this dream of what it was. And so I still see that possibility dream in my mind. I'm thinking, yeah, but that was just with that came the other I need to let it go all of, of all of it. Like once I grow through it, I need to, to actually release all of it. Yeah. But the question is how, like, how that's do, what like, I don't know. Like, how do you release it? Like, how do we release moments that are still trapped inside of us? Like how, how do we do that? And you know, okay. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, the that's, the hard, that's the hard, that, that's really difficult. Yeah. So like, I started doing, you know, like work with emotional clearings and all yeah. that stuff using like herbal remedies. And that was kind of how I was introduced to this whole, like just this whole area of life, which I was, I had not even really entertained before. And then more studying, studying I did and books I read and podcasts I listened to. I, I started learning about like just different other energy type healing type things. But it's like, you know, understanding now that some of this is physically actually trapped in my body, also in yeah. my subconscious there. Subconscious as to... well as in your cells, like somatically, yeah. both, yes. Absolutely. So in like, in my mind, and in, in as a one on the Enneagram, this is where it's so difficult for me. It's like, yeah, but you know, Andrea, like, you know. So it's like, do the right thing. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know, like, how, like, and it's interesting because I have clients they'll say they'll ask me the same question. <laughs> and I'm like, if I could figure that out for myself, I would be telling you how to do that. Like no, totally. it's like, how do you let go yeah. of and like the thing that you are hanging yeah. on to yeah. the most? So this is this is so this I, I mean, this is the journey I've been in as well in the last couple of years. And the how, like I actually think there's a million different paths. Like literally, mm-hmm. like I think like with sincere, a sincere path seeking curiosity, whatever. I think I think there's a million paths. I'll just say that. Um, one of the thing that's things that's really helped me is uh, a couple therapy modalities. One called EMDR, which I've done once uh, to help rewrite a really painful moment in my past, and the other is a, a, a modality called brain spotting. No, I'm and, not familiar with that. Yeah, they're, they're, very, they're similar in a sense. The brain spotting is kind of this idea that there's spots in your brain of uh, unhealed things, you know, 
trauma, big T trauma, small T trauma. There's a difference. Big T trauma is a trauma that like these intense moments, we all know what the big T traumas are, you know, yeah. verbal, physical, sexual abuse, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And there's just small T traumas of uh, all the little things that happen in your life that maybe happened. You didn't have a caregiver that could emotionally meet you in that moment. You couldn't, you didn't have somebody in all the small moments that really could maybe held the space for you. So you felt alone in it. Now that's what I more identify with in my life. Uh, it's, and it's not that my parents didn't, weren't that necessarily. I think they, they gave everything that they could, right? They were mm-hmm. as emotionally available as was possible with a family of like five kids and all the craziness going on. And regardless of what was objectively true or not my growing up, this was my experience, right? So like mm-hmm. my experience or the way that I interpreted or experienced it is is my truth. And that's what I'm working with, working through. But I realized I've got a lot of like unprocessed moments inside of me. And brain spotting like sort of, there will be a moment that happens in my life where something gets triggered. Like something gets like this, this thing happens with somebody I'm dating or my brother or whatever. And all of a sudden, like the thing that should be a one out of 10 now feels like a nine out of 10. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yep. that's when you realize, oh, there's something or a lot of things beneath the thing. Yeah. Right. These are the unhealed wounds or triggers that still live inside our body. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that this moment is now inviting us to face or work with. Now, let me just preface. I'm not a trauma therapy person. I'm not a therapist. I am an, I'm an amateur of all amateurs who's just like trying to find his way out of his own pain. Mm-hmm. But I've come to learn that these moments and loops keep living inside of. So how do we get the loop finished? And brain spotting has helped that in the sense of this thing will happen in my life. I'll go into the therapist. I'll sit down. I'll say, hey, this thing happened. She'll go, where do you experience it in your body? And I'm like, ah, it's in my chest. Like it's tightness in my chest or it's a lump in my throat. She goes, okay. Like, you know, just some things like, wait, if you could like give a color to that or if you could like give voice to it, what would it say? Like, what's the simplest thing it would say? And, you know, for me, like, something I repeatedly work through like is my own worthlessness or feelings of worthlessness. So I'll say something like it says, I don't matter. And I'm like, did just the simple fact of like naming something relieves 50% of the suffering. Like, Oh my God, I just got it out. I just literally like named a thing I couldn't name. And I, and I wasn't able to name it just by trying to like think, 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 think. it would like took somebody, took somebody to like in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I don't matter. So she goes, okay, let's stay with that, you know? And then there's this process of she kind of holds a wand up and it goes across my like line of vision. And that I don't matter phrase crescendos in emotional like magnitude or intensity. And then those are the brain spots. So we just pick one and I literally stare at that same spot for the next like 50 minutes or an hour or something. Because that is, I guess, apparently is like that's, place in my like where I'm looking is attached to a place in my brain where the memory is stored and I then also have like 
headphones on that have bilateral stimulation of sound, like an ocean noise, that is activating both hemispheres in my brain that's trying to help create new neural pathways. So trauma is stuck energy. Trauma is past moments stuck energy that are still living inside of you. So we're staying in that stuck energy, that place of the trauma, by like looking at one spot for a long time and then uh, staying with it to feel it. And then I just name what's coming up. I name the moments, whatever. And this to me is like, I think where a lot of things get healed. And what I'm about to say, I need to preface by a story that I had with uh, a moment with a girl named Hillary McBride, who's now a friend of mine. She's a therapist, she's a doctor. And I have had her on my podcast. It's uh, it's an incredible, incredible episode called How to Become Friendly with Your Pain. If you haven't heard it, it's, it's great. Anyone, you got to hear it's it. Like mind. It's life changing. It's life changing. Yeah. How to Become Friendly with Pain, because that's really what we're talking about right now. Yeah. So we're on the um, edge of the Pacific Ocean in Vancouver. Went up there a few months ago to visit her and her husband. And we had this trip. It was really fun. And I've been trying to work through my pain. As a three, my heart drops out, you know, all these moments, I just repress, whatever. So, and we were on the edge of the ocean and she had this beautiful thing about how, you know, the Native Americans would step into the ocean and the ocean could take their pain. And it was like a really beautiful moment, like symbolic, symbolic, symbolic. And so we come out of it, we're walking kind of on the beach and I, and I started to tell her like, but, but I like, I still feel like this 20% like trapped inside of me that I can't get rid of in my chest. I don't know how to get rid of this pain inside of me. Like it's literally there. I've realized now it's there. I'm trying to get like this hundred percent of freedom of feeling happy, whatever, but I don't know how to deal with this lump in my throat. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, because I did not named all the things I've done, like all the modalities, all the things, all the exercise, all the practice. I'm trying anything. I'm reading yeah. this, whatever. And she's like, oh, Brady. You've done so much hard work. You've done you've done so much hard work. And I, for a moment, I'm like starting to tear up. I'm like starting to feel seen. I'm like, yes, I have done so much work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. It's so hard. Like, <laughs> I literally just want my mom. I want to cry on my mom's shoulder. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. And I'm being I'm being serious right now. Yeah. And she goes, but he like. In all my research, she's like, in all my research, like it, it comes down to one simple thing. We in our lives have painful moments where we didn't get met. We, we had unsafe, unconnected, painful moments. And simply put, you can try any modality or anything, any exercise, like whatever it is. But, and some are more efficient than others. Like some work a little bit better and some work better for different personality types as well than other personality yeah. types. So you can't just lump better brain and same person. But at the end of the day, here's what it is that really heals people. It's having a new, safe, connected moment with somebody that helps rewrite a previous unsafe, unconnected moment. So like, even though I'm doing EMDR or brain spotting or talk therapy or whatever this thing is, that could be 20% of it, but she's like really 80% of it, according to research, is like this person who's sitting across from you holding a non-judgmental space to help rewrite a painful moment 
that now you can go back and go, oh, that wasn't as painful because I shared it with somebody who then met me in the place I wasn't met. Oh, that's good. So as somebody who is a very self-reliant person, like, oh, I can do it. I can do my own healing. I just need another practice. I need another meditation. I need another whatever. Part of my work is to go, I need help. And I needed help from you. Or I like, brother, I need you to meet me here. Or therapist, I need you to meet me here. And the naming and the being met and whatever weird modality we're trying, like, I don't really care. But just being met in that space and just like stacking little moments upon each other, like slowly over time, this is what heals the past. You know, like I heard the phrase, what has been wounded in relationship must be after all healed through relationship. And there is a process that we can reconnect and and heal within ourselves. Like what if you, you know, your parent dies and you had something, a beef with, like are you never able to heal that end because they're like, no, no, no. There's ways to rewrite those moments inside of us with the help of people that we don't need that person. Um, you know, but we do need people yeah. to help rewrite those moments. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's good to hear because I think as like you, I can be very self-reliant in it and be like, just give me a book or a podcast or something yeah. I can read or do. Cause I'm diligent to actually do it on my own. So I don't need someone. Yeah. But the totally. truth is I do need people. We all need we all people. Need people. Yeah. Yeah. We all need people. And I think that's the, um, I don't know. That's the beauty. I, and I love that, that, that podcast that you did with Hillary McBride. Yeah. That's, you know, it was amazing. <laughs> it's a, it, fantastic. Well, all of them. And that's, I'd say to people, you know, like listen to like, go back to the beginning, listen to your, when I think is your first episode where you talk about your actual story of unraveling. And I think that's, I remember someone sending it to me, mm. Andrew, you need to listen to this. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Mm. like and it made all of the difference Mm. to me. So I don't know. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've I I think, you know, Brady, you it's funny because I when I thought about having you on the podcast, um, you know, mostly the, the people I have on the podcast are women. I've had a few guys over the the past couple of years. Yeah. And this is something I'm wanting I'm wanting to kind of shift and change because I think that there's so much we can learn from each other. Yes. And, 100%. You know, it's it's not like I'm just looking for all of the the women um to to give all of the great advice or you know, <laughs> stories or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I I knew I wanted to have you on. It's so funny. I reached out to you and I was thinking to myself in it all. I'm like, oh, what am I really going to talk to him about? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, totally, totally. What do I want to say? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, and so my mind, I'm like, I just kind of had this, this thought of like, I'm just going to go with it. And I feel like there's something that we can talk about and share and people will resonate with yeah. pulling different things from the conversation that they need yeah. at the time that they need it. And, and it's so interesting pulling back to something we said before we even started recording, which is like connection with people. 
and the offering that we have. And I guess I really not, I haven't, hadn't really thought about that, but mm. you know, like what is it that we are looking for out of someone else? You know, like when we're connecting, we're, mm. we're initially drawn, you said this and I'm not saying it probably as probably smart as you did. But, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> you know, we're initially, initially um, drawn to one another because there's something within that person that we need. Yeah. And, and, then the connection is sustained based on um yeah mutual guess, needs mutual wants yeah yeah like exchange so, some kind of exchange like mm-hmm. yeah and so to, to even think about this conversation today and it's like thinking about that it's like oh you know you're right i never really thought about it in in the everyday conversations in these types of conversations as well Mm -hmm. you know like i see it from my perspective i don't usually see it from someone else's perspective but you've given me a lot Mm. to even think about well you know in this moment you're giving me the ability to self-express you know um i think the purpose of my life well according to the astrologer is to self-express in the spotlight is to live my journey and to share it with the world you know and so there's sort of a mutual you you probably enjoy these conversations you like learning you like sharing this kind of stuff with the world so like there's a sort of a mutual kind of exchange yeah you know and and i did read a book one time where it said friendship the core word of friendship uh, i'm gonna butcher this but it was like something like exchange or obligation or like when you get like to give a gift when you give a gift to somebody then they feel obligated to reciprocate it you know it's this interesting like exchange thing and uh yeah i mean that that can like literally be for 30 seconds on the street corner talking to somebody Mm -hmm. you know or it could last um 40 years and i think though in the now i'm I'm not married, so I can't speak really intelligently about that. But I think I think every relationship goes through massive redefining periods that they begin on one level and they get invited into deeper and sort of deeper levels. And if they don't evolve, they will dissolve. Mm-hmm. And these these are even like relationships with our parents or our siblings or you know sometimes our family or there's also romantic relationships you know the ones that I think for anyone who is like interested in in evolving themselves like is interested in changing and growing and not keeping the status quo then your relationships will continually come to these disruptive sort of moments and disruption is sort of the energy of the eight in the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And it can also, it can be like very unhealthy, challenging energy, but there's also a really beautiful thing about that eight energy, that disruption energy, because it blows up the old thing in order for something new to be birthed. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes the new thing can't be birthed without the old thing being blown up in a way. Now there's ways to like be a bit more smart about like how things need to blow up or not. Right. But this redefining happens all the time. It's happening right now in your life or it's happened over your last number of years and the redefining of your career and your income streams. But this is like, this is 
the hard, but also the necessary path of life. I think the difficult thing in relationships is when one person no longer wants to evolve and grow similarly to the same degree that the other person does. You know, I, like Enneagram speak, I think any type can be with any type. Yeah. You know, there's a basic initial attraction, there's chemistry, there's these kind of things. But the difficult, difficult thing is when one person is on a level of health or development that the other person isn't on. Mm-hmm. And that creates a certain kind of relationship that there's a lot of breakdowns in, you know. And I don't mean it just on the side of the person that is the unhealthy one versus the more healthy mm-hmm. one. Uh, I've realized in my life, my like tendency to be the rescuer and the rescuer always needs somebody to rescue. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) there's a, like, we create, you know, we create the things that we're in and a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's the, like, that's, I've been listening to a book called Codependent No More. (laughs) uh, I've got no problems. And I'm like, oh no, I'm the one that created this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, learning how to let go of moments, I think is first and foremost, learning how to fully feel them and enter into them, share them with somebody and try to learn how to grieve it so that we can clear space in ourselves for a new moment to come to us. Yeah, it's beautiful. I I appreciate the fact that you are self-expressing. Here. No, thank you. No, yeah, no, seriously. Like, I, I really do. It's been, um, like, just, uh, like, an honor to to hear your, your journey f- in a conversation with me versus just through the podcast and listening to it secondhand from someone else, but to actually have that connection and be able to hear, um, and I've... I will have to listen back to this, even just myself, and pull out some things that to hear again. But I know so many other people will do the same. So I really appreciate you. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. This is the fun, funnest for me. I'll have these, like, I'll have these conversations anytime, anywhere. I can honestly say that this conversation was one that I'll be thinking about for some time to come. There are so many things to unpack for me personally, and maybe you felt the same way too. One particular thing that stood out to me when I was talking with Brady was when he said, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. That rings so true for me. I think it's because for such a long time, I was in a place of suffering and didn't realize that much of that was of my own doing, not letting go, resisting change, and not accepting what is. Staying open to life, love, and to my ever-changing faith journey is exactly where I want to be. A big thank you to Brady for his vulnerability and being open-hearted in this conversation with me, for sharing and expressing his own journey. Make sure you check out the Unravel podcast. It has definitely been an incredible encouragement to me and has caused me to think way outside my comfort zone. And I highly recommend it to anyone who's asking questions about their faith journey. You can find Brady on Instagram at @bradytoops, and I'll put all the links to his podcast, his website, and social media in the show notes. And you can also connect with me personally at, at Miss Crispy and at the Dot Courage Guest on Instagram 
and the Courage Cast podcast on Facebook. And a big, 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 big thank you to you for holding space for me today, allowing me to be honest with you about my own journey. It's nowhere near complete. I still have more questions and answers, but sharing this with you gives us both the opportunity to be in it together. Sending you so much love, my friend. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.